This is our point with Zach and Carmen. Hello. Good morning. It is good morning, but it is technically 11 something in the morning, so it's not an early morning. It is late morning. It is late morning, and I am here for it. I was like, I don't want you to complain. I'm not complaining. It's a Saturday. I am drinking a mimosa. Like this is, we're back to our podcast recording roots right now, and I know could not be happier. Well, I before we were starting this podcast, I was like, oh my god, I guess I have to find something with booze in it to have for the podcast. And so I went to the fridge. There's no, there's like no, I can mix it with milk. I could have a, a milk mix. Vodka milks. Yeah, I was like, vodka milks. I mean, I guess I could make a white Russian or something. Then there was like coffee creamer because Michael likes coffee creamer. And I was like, mm, nope, not doing that. I was like, well, I'm not going to drink straight vodka. And then there was a Bud Light. And I was like, well, I could have a morning beer. I could like, it's close enough to noon. I can have a Bud Light. There was a Miller Light in there, which I hate Miller products. So I have no idea where that came from. That's a weird surprise mystery beer that will never be drunk. So then I went downstairs to, mm, to downstairs, the fun fridge. To the fun fridge, because there's going to be something in there, right? Oh, I bet. Do you got a seltzer? Do you got a gross oh, there was, <laughs> seltzer well, there was, still in there? There was LaCroix. There was onions, um, cheese, and one lurking hula seltzer in the back, a mango papaya. I thought I had drank all of them. Oh no, there, there was one just waiting for this special, special moment. Wow. Well, and mango papaya, I mean, that's practically breakfast. Practically. I mean, I was like, okay, it's okay. It will, it will work. It, and, and I mean, it it'll serve its purpose. purpose. Yes. I went back and forth between a red beer and a mimosa because my parents are canning again. So the Bloody Mary mix that I have been carefully rationing since last year, I am now allowed to drink with impunity because I know that there's more coming. But I had some expired orange juice in the fridge with like far less than a glass, like half a glass in there. So I was like, if I'm really careful, I can stretch these few drops of orange juice into an entire bottle of Prosecco. So that's what I've been doing. I saw a TikTok because I still haven't gotten off TikTok, even though we know that China is using it for mind control. Um, but there was a full glass of Prosecco and a girl took a half of a teaspoon, dipped it into the orange juice and then poured it into her <laughs> champagne. And I was like, well done. Well done. That is the perfect uh, ratio for... Just enough to make it a little cloudy. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's that's really funny. I wish I could come up with something clever to do a TikTok. Me I mean, too. It's, it seems like it'd be fun, but so much work. Have you seen the Washington Post as a TikTok guy? No. His Twitter is Washington Post TikTok guy? Is he boring? It sounds like it'd be really boring. Well, he's done a TikTok every single day for the pandemic and kind of keeps it. And he must do a couple extras because he has over 200. Um, and then he went to a bookstore and there's a book, the sign, like handwritten sign at the bookstore in somewhere in D.C. It says no TikToks except for the Washington Post TikTok guy, really small. And he was like, well, now I feel obligated. Like, so then he does one from the bookstore. It's kind of funny. Oh, all right. Well. So maybe that, I mean, that's just what you need. I think you'd become funnier over time. Like as you force yourself to come up with different things. It's yes. Like I the podcast. To... Like we just, this funny doesn't happen on sound people. We work at this. <laughs> Do we? Okay. Um, <laughs> I... I can't start being a TikTok star. That is one more thing I do not need to add to my That's stress true. level at the moment <laughs> because I, of course, would use my TikTok fandom as another procrastination tool to avoid doing real things like work or school. So it's probably not healthy. Maybe you should become the TikTok star. 
I will take that under consideration. <laughs> but I also do not have a TikTok account. And, and now I have to learn how to edit the podcast. So I also, let's say I also have a lot going on. Okay, you're real busy. So, so busy. I um, am enjoying the reality that another good procrastination tool of mine has opened back up, and that's the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. I We went to the movie on Thursday night, which again was great. We were the only people in the movie theater to the point where the movie Just the theater- two of you? Yeah, yep. we we went at five o'clock again, but the movie theater was so dead that they forgot to push play on the movie. <laughs> so, so we sat there for like ten minutes, and we're like do 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 do. And then my favorite thing to do is when something like that happens, I like to call the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Only I have for been you, with you while you've yes. done that. Except now they like they're like nobody answers the phones. Like mm-hmm. the message comes in and it's basically like, we're in a pandemic. We don't answer phones anymore. Fend for yourselves. Yes. So then I had to put my mask on and, you know, walk out there and tell the people. And they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we'll get somebody out there to do that. So I go back and we sit there for another couple of minutes. And all of a sudden somebody comes in and he like yells from the bottom because we're like almost towards the top in the middle. And he's like, do you guys want the movie with the trailers or without the trailers? I was like, oh, this is a personal movie experience. And I shout back. I was like, well, are there any good trailers? And he's like, mm, no, not not really. So we just went straight to the movie. We skipped bypassed all the trailers, which saved us you know, like 15 minutes. So, uh, But we went to Tenant, the new Christopher Nolan movie. He did Inception and all the Batman, the good Batman trilogy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have never been to a, mo- a two and a half hour movie that has mind fucked me as hard as that movie has. They, I don't actually think I know what happened. I was, <laughs> I was intently watching the entire time. And multiple times in the movie, I look over at Michael and I was like, I have no idea what's happening. Zero idea what happens. So I would rec- recommend it. It is a good movie, but you might have to see it two or three times to understand what actually happened. So that is my movie review of Tenant. It is good. It keeps you entertained for the two and a half hours. I didn't think it was too long, but I have no idea what happened. That's my movie review. All right. Well, that's why you're the entertainment correspondent. You just it, keep us it, abreast it of is why our the entertainment, entertainment options. Correspondent, um, which also, I guess, is a great segue into the breaking news that happened this week. Mm, mm-hmm. The Kardashians are ending keeping up with the Kardashians. Oh, I am so going to miss them. Yes. And so there was a New York Times article titled How Keeping Up with the Kardashians Changed Everything by the Styles Desk. So all of these people like did little teeny um, components. Of course, the Keeping Up with the Kardashians aired, started airing in 2007. And they have become basically the most famous and influ- some of the most famous and influential people in the world to which I know makes a lot of people's heads explode and they get really upset about it. I think there is a similar love of people who love to hate on the Kardashians, like people like to hate on Nickelback for no other reason. There's a lot of people that just have an opinion about the Kardashians when they actually know nothing about them. And I, I find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but so some of the the topics that they talk about is that of course it made celebrities of just regular rich people because they were already rich to begin with, um, but they kind of got in on the right the right time, and it has since you know of course helped them build a complete empire um, from the cosmetics and the lip kits to you know Kim Kardashian had that video game that computer video or tablet video game where you could like dress up like her that she made hundreds of millions of dollars on chloe kardashian has her own fashion line with the good american jeans and kim now has the skims the body shaping um company and so it talked about how you know of course they were really the only reality show family that has turned and pivot their reality show fame into not a complete destruction of their family dynamic, but pivoted into a complete media and 
and business empire, which you can't really say for any other reality TV show family, whether or not that's looking at the Osbournes, the Hogan family, that Paris and Nicole Richie show. So there's that that's interesting. They also talk that it set a new and unrealistic standard of beauty um, for the family because, of course, they were naturally gorgeous, but they just kind of have, they say they haven't really done plastic surgery, but they have done a lot of, you know, Instagram filters, fillers, contouring powders. Um, They exercise a lot and have really like curtailed their body shape or shaped their body shape into something that's really not natural, right? Like if you look at Kim Kardashian's ass and like her (laughs) body figure, but that has completely, their body style and their shape has completely altered, at least for a substantial period of time, what women and girls and the fashion industry was, was, was doing, right? The amount of people that were pumping up their lips and the, the contouring craze that happened they like all attribute it back to the Kardashians and their ability to display it on their TV show. And then of course, turn it into their own successful businesses. One of the things that I thought was interesting, they also said another way that they changed the world was it gave American America, the language to talk about transitions. And they really talk about this being like one of the high points of the show is eventually because they were doing the show so long that of course they like, produced moments to like, you know, and went on cool locations to make better content. But there was a component when you have done it for so long, not everything can be 100% scripted, right? They were doing seasons after seasons of prolonged recording through all of their lives. And so, of course, they staged trips and made sure to, to make them look like they had this extravagant lifestyle. But then they talked about the, the Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner transition and how the family really just aired it all out there from them finding out about the news to going through it to Bruce's leading up and how that whole year, like we all kind of talked about people transitioning and trans women in America at a level we had never seen before. And they were really at the forefront of it and basically made people transitioning mainstream or at least a conversation that everybody was having and and discussing. And they say, you know, probably helped change the minds or at least allowed a conversation for people who were, you know, over 50, a little bit more conservative, grew up with the, you know, huge masculinity of Bruce Jenner being Olympian and how the family really did air the good, the bad, and the ugly of what a transition does to a family and what that, you know, how there was no real easy way to cope with it. And every one of the kids had a different experience with it. So I think that was really interesting. And then of course, it just kind of talks about how they are just so popular (laughs) and have so much money. And quite frankly, no longer really need the TV show to propel and publicize, carry their brand, right? They get more hits off of their social platforms um, and the reality is there's been other articles that say that they're the real reason why they are ending the show is because they just demanded more money and E was not able to pay them. There's other articles that talked about how E has went through a really hard time with the pandemic and is financially not doing really well. And they've canceled a bunch of their other like news shows and a bunch of other programs. And so the Kardashians yeah. were getting paid around $30 million uh, a season, right? And they do like two-ish seasons a year. And they were upping it to, they say they were upping it to $40 million to continue to do the show and E just couldn't pay them. And so- um, Why is E not doing very well when we're all watching television all the time? Well, I think that they, a huge component of their show was dealing with celebrity news and- celebrity interactions and they're everyone stayed home and i don't think there is a lot of that right they'd had a lot of fashion shows with award shows and all like that isn't happening so i don't know if that for most channels like that the news component component drives a lot of their advertising dollars and so there's been a lot of talk that obviously they just couldn't meet the financial demands that the kardashians decided they needed to be able to continue to do the show because the reality is the show is the least 
<laughs> probably the least profitable of all of their business ventures at this point. But one other thing that I thought was interesting is there's a lot of rumors that they might be taking the show or doing something on one of the streaming platforms mm. like a, like Netflix or Apple or Amazon because it is a more worldwide distribution and they can have more control over what they want the show to be. Um, so I don't know. I think it's interesting. I don't think they're go- they're not going anywhere anytime soon, right? They are now a part of American pop culture and they clearly, whether people like it or not, have been around for a really long time. So if they've been able to hang on for 15 years and now have a few of them that are worth billions of dollars, I don't imagine they're going to any time, anywhere anytime soon, but it is interesting to see the entire family evolve again. Well, you may have noticed that Zach really had to carry that article because I don't watch the Kardashians, nor do I care to keep up with them. Yeah, but I mean, you know who they are. I do. I do know who they are. I know more of who they are because we live together and we've spoken at length about them previously. Maybe we need to go back to find that Kim Kardashian is a feminist article that made your mm-hmm. head explode. Mm-hmm. Didn't make my head explode. I did think it was, uh, we had a very good conversation about it. And then I feel like I pulled all the people we saw that weekend to see if they also thought that Kim Kardashian was, I remember having that argument in like a piano bar, piano karaoke. Where the hell did we do? Oh, we did that in Minneapolis. Yeah. I think that place, isn't that place closed? Like, yes. It is now the Kardashians outlasted the piano karaoke bar. Yes. Yes, it did. That entire block closed and it's now a training facility for um, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Boo. More sports. Well, for those of you having trouble coping with losing the Kardashians, (laughs) my article is also from the New York Times and it's called How to Cope When Everything Keeps Changing by Cindy Lamoth. And I'm a planner. Love making plans. Sometimes making plans is more fun than executing the plans because (laughs) when you make the plans, you know that they will be executed perfectly. And then when you actually try and execute them, then things go to shit and then it's less fun than they were in your head. But the pandemic has totally screwed us. And now... People like me who are planners do not get to plan things because we don't know when, like from week to week, we have no idea. The We finally got, um, we said we're going to work from home until January, which I imagine is also subject to change because I don't know if you guys have thought about that. You folks have thought about that. But like, like as shitty as 2020 is, it doesn't, like 2021 is not going to be magically better. Like it's, uh, it's, we're still going to have coronavirus in 2021. So we can't just like race toward the new year and then think that everything is going to be better. So there's just no, there's no way to plan. My sister and I, we have plans on, we're going to both going to take the 25th off and hang out. We think, we assume that we'll get to do that, but we don't actually know. We have my mother's birthday planned, which last year we went to Sioux Falls and we went apple picking with the girls and it was ridiculously fun. So like maybe we'll get to do that. Maybe not. We don't know. One of the things that we're not worrying about in South Dakota is, well, not on my side because we don't have any trees, but wildfires, yes. which other places are having to deal with. Um, They're still protesting and marches and civil unrest in a lot of the country. So there's all of these things happening. And now we just, we don't, we don't know. We don't know how to plan things. It's very frazzling. And we, knowing how to react when our plans fail is essential for recalibrating. So if you, like one little thing throws up, which is like, I hate routine. I hate routine and i have friends that i've had this discussion with that like they're like well i can't get anything done with routine like i have this is what i do in the morning this is what i do in the evening this is what i do on tuesdays and i hate that because i feel like those are the same people who bitch about (laughs) 
when the time changes, when we switch from standard time to daylight time, and people lose their fucking mind for three days because they're like, oh, I'm so tired. Oh. Well, kids don't know that we get to sleep in an hour. Oh, my dogs don't know that we fell back today. It's like, have you never left your fucking house? Have you never driven to mountain time and went to the Black Hills? Oh, those people are too much for me. And yes. I equate that to being so strict in your routine that you can't handle a fucking hour of less sleep. Like, have you ever never stayed up late to watch a movie? <laughs> have you never gotten up early to, I don't is, know. Is like, this rant in <gasps> the New York Times? Where did you, Carmen? No, really this is talking that? about people need to be flexible when their plans change. Okay, okay. So that was just... A little bonus rant. <laughs> I like it. So we're going to overcome, <laughs> back to the article, we're going <laughs> to overcome mental barriers. And uh, the key, this says the key to mental agility and not falling into an anxiety spiral is to remind ourselves that it's okay to switch gears. Now, I have also fallen into anxiety spirals. Yes. So a simple reminding ourselves that it's okay to switch gears did not solve my, I have a dead thing in my basement anxiety spiral, but I did manage to get out of it and within a couple hours. So. Yes, that was, that was very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, there's a, one of the things they suggest is a technique called temporal distancing. Well, I, I kind of, it sounds so fancy. Yeah. Uh, they say it is like having access to your own personal mental time machine where you transcend the here and now and visualize the future. And so this is pretty interesting. So they suggest closing your eyes and asking yourself in 10 years, how will I want to remember telling the story of how I responded to this crisis? And I think that's really, that's really fascinating because when you're happening, like, and maybe it's not coronavirus, you know, maybe you've gotten fired slash laid off slash you um, lost a baby. You became unexpectedly pregnant. Like there's tons of crises that happen. And if you take a minute and think about, okay, in 10 years from now, I'm not going to be sitting in the shit that I'm sitting in now. How do I want to have gotten out of this? And maybe you can roadmap your way out backwards. And I did think that was very interesting. Not that I've tried it because I read this article. This I was like, the way that everybody's going to remember COVID or how I'm going to do it is sheer and complete panic and catastrophe. I'm going to make it <laughs> for my grandkids. I'm going to make it sound so miserable that it's going to be like how my grandparents described the depression to me, right? How just like the world imploded and everything was completely miserable. I'm going to spare no expense in the extravagance of the stories that I'm going to tell. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, over the that. years, the riot in Minneapolis, the protest <laughs> that's going to happen is going to be blown up into like there was nothing left of the city. Every Everything was gone. It, we lived in a haze. I mean- I just imagine my stories are going to get wilder. So I'm going to be like Brian Williams telling a war story. That's how Ooh. great it's going to get. It's a good reference. I like that. So basically, don't underestimate your ability to adapt. If you are clinging to these canceled plans, you know, you had a lot of plans this oh, year. Oh, yeah. That they're, got all, they're all still getting canceled because now we're on like the makeup of the makeup plans are getting mm. like the second wave oh, yeah. of plans are getting canceled at this point. And are rescheduled, so now there's like been more plans made. I think the only way that I've been able to cope is that I've just become at peace with the fact that everything's actually going to be canceled. So every time I make a plan, I'm just like, this is not going to happen. So then when it does happen, I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everything's just forever going to be canceled. That's funny. I do remember when you made makeup plans for October. I'm like, I'm just not confident that that is going to be a thing that you can do. Well, so the October be, plans have been canceled. Yes, and they are, there have now been February plans. So, I mean, I imagine February plans are also going to be canceled. I have January plans as well. I mean, everything's probably going to be canceled. But when you just assume that everything's going to be canceled. It does give you a better mental yeah. attitude when it actually does. It's true. Yeah. 
So this is, uh, it's long because, you know, I only like long articles, um, but I highly recommend it. Talking about, you know, reframing your situation, also knowing that it's happening to every person in the world. Because that's something, you know, like sometimes when you are in a personal crisis and maybe it's too embarrassing to share with other people. So then you have to sit in the shame of it and you aren't able to, or you don't feel like you're able to ask other people to sit there with you. But for particularly coronavirus, it's happening to everyone. Not in South Dakota, because we don't cancel plans. We go ahead and do things, well, yeah, whatever world, we want. Your world actually hasn't changed. I mean, uh, mine has, because I am responsible. But Well, that that's going to – I mean, I'm going to pivot off of this. I'm going to say one other thing, because you just brought something up, and I'm going to forget about it, what I wanted to say if I don't tell you. But I do like that it says um, that we all need to embrace the, the psychological concept of hardiness and being hardy. Mm-hmm. And – to to take a beat and ask ourselves, do I want to tell the story of my fear or do I want to tell the story of my strength? And I do think that is like a, a therapist answer, but I do think that it is a good perspective when you are thinking about these things, again, how you want to tell the story in the future. So I think that's interesting. Now switching gears before we go grab refills. Speaking of South Dakota not changing and you guys living through COVID, your governor is just on a PR train that is going strong. Mm-hmm. You guys are spending so much COVID money that should be going to helping people. Like $5 million, like CBS has done articles about Christy Nome spending $5 million on Fox News ads. Just yesterday, we received, I received to me here in Minneapolis, a brochure about visiting South Dakota and this thing is full color, probably in your full mailbox. T- Where'd you get this? Yeah, here at the house. Oh. Full. Di- I mean, it is gorgeous. About how great it is to come and travel and see the Black Hills. It's gigantic, and of course, it has a quote from Christie on it. The amount of money you guys are spending trying to get people to come over there is insane. Also, yes, yes it is. I know that they used the six nice spots of South Dakota are on that brochure. They're like you just. <laughs> Blue, all of the pretty things are on one. There is going to be, people are going to be super disappointed. No. Well, if they only go to those five places, which they normally do. Yeah. They just have to through all the other ones. But I was just like, oh my God, how much money are you guys spending on tourism that you are? Well, and what's frustrating is A, she's not here. So she's off. She's considered an official surrogate for Donald Trump. So she's been campaigning in Ohio and Iowa and she's going to Oregon everywhere. But here she's gotten in a Twitter fight with the governor of Ohio about who's more free. Some (laughs) bullshit. Who is more freedom in their state? Uh, Just disgusting. And she's spending all this money on tourism and we are consistently in the last seven days, we last four, I don't even know. We're consistently in the top three states for new coronavirus cases per uh, population. So we've uh, gone back and forth with North Dakota and Iowa. And then as of yesterday, it was North Dakota and Guam hmm. um, edged us out for number two. And that would have been Friday. So, you know, by the time we get to Tuesday and you're all listening to this, who who knows? You're just but it is frustrating to see our state metaphorically on fire as opposed to literally. And she's not even here. And so the Department of Health is trying their best to explain to everyone that they need to wear masks and be socially distant. And then our governor is taking photos in banquet halls full of people few are in mass she's at the state fair taking group photos no one is in a mass so like she's not doing any of the things that we're supposed to be doing and then the department of health is trying to get everyone else to do that and then the rates are skyrocketing and yes nobody's listening to the department of health let's just any money (laughs) that could be going to schools um, she's spending on tourism for, you know, cause the economy is more important than. Well, she's, health. she's actually just raising her national profile. Let's be honest. But I did think it was interesting that I got a nice, shiny, gigantic brochure 
about visiting South Dakota. So maybe I'll have to take a trip. Maybe they didn't account for your homosexuality because you don't seem like the kind. I'm like, I imagine you're a certain affluence, right? Like, because that's how mailing lists work. Yes. They would have targeted you based on your neighborhood and your income, but. Well, fooled her once again. (laughs) All right, more drinks. Speaking of things to do when I go visit the great outdoors in South Dakota. Oh, yes. Well, first off, I'm not actually going to do that. Let's, <laughs> let's just be honest. There's no way I'm coming to South Dakota and then going to the Black Hills. Just, I have zero desire. I know a lot of people love it. No, thank you. Well, you've also been. I mean, I imagine they may be targeting first-timers. I don't know, but there are so many other places in this country that has Michael been to the hills? No, he hasn't. And he wants to go. And I'm like, mm. see, that's how you're going to end up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Thank, thank the Lord. And if we do, it's because we're going to fly to rapid. So that makes it a little bit easier to fly there instead of having to drive across the state. Mm. But I just don't have a you've lot of fond your... memories. I've just, I've done a lot of time out there. Yes. And you've spent your time on I-90. That seems. Yes. And people, people are fucking crazy. It is all tourist gimmicky shit. Just no desire. But there was an article in NPR by Ashish Valentine. Ashish. I don't know if I said that right, but that's what we're going to go with. His article is entitled, Amid a Deep Recession, Outdoor Equipment is Flying Off the Shelves. And this is something that we touched on earlier about just the amount of people when COVID hit that were transitioning to do outdoor activities, right? There, there was a lot of people I know from around here that were going camping in, in South Dakota at the beginning of COVID because your guys' state parks were open and ours weren't. The amount of people that took out fishing license in Minnesota in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, in May and June had already surpassed what had been done for the entire fishing season last year. And then something that we have noticed around here Um, which apparently also is happening across the country because this article talks about people in Illinois and Wisconsin, but that just outdoor recreational equipment itself is next to impossible to find. They talk about kayaks and and bikes. They said that the sales of bicycles jumped 63% in June from a year earlier and that kayaking and some paddle sports which were actually facing declines pre-COVID, saw a 56% increase um, in purchases. And we've noticed that around here, right? Like there is no bikes. (laughs) There's just nothing to buy. Like it doesn't exist. When you look even at larger equipment from campers to boats to jet skis, there's just nothing available. And I found, I mean, of course, I, I find that interesting that of course, because people have nothing else to do. And again, all of their plans have been canceled and then their makeup makeup plans have been canceled. <laughs> Some of the, the few things that people are able to do is to spend time outside and like reconnect with some of those simpler activities that maybe they did in their childhood. And, and overall, we had a pretty decent summer to get out and enjoy these things. But the one takeaway from this that I thought was really interesting and wanted to spend a moment talking about, which is why I picked this article, is one of the economists that talked about just the surge in these sales, talked about people, of course, were saving their money and they weren't going anywhere. So people that still had their jobs had an extra slush fund. And then they talked about people that were unemployment were getting the bonus $600 in the enhanced unemployment benefits from the feds. And it had a direct impact on the economy. They said that that extra $600 a week in federal unemployment benefits, they saw the following week after that went out, they saw an additional 10 to $12 billion a week in additional income that went straight into the market and into the economy. So yes, and there are lots of economists and Democrats in general that want to talk about the importance of these enhanced benefits because the reality is, is most people that are getting these benefits are not saving and having a gigantic slush fund. They are spending the money. There's lots of talk about the most successful part of the CARES Act in general has been the additional income as far as keeping the economy afloat. 
And there's a lot of people that talk about how much better the economy would have been off if they would have just sent everybody $10,000 and bypassed those, you know, PPP, PPE loans, just gave the money directly to people to spend as a, and, you know, mandated that they spend them, right. That you're not able to put it into a savings account, but that they have to be, be utilized in the economy, what that would have done. And so now as they of course have seen the enhanced unemployment has gone away, the amount of money flowing into the economy again has slowed down. And you have seen, you have seen unemployment numbers go up. You've seen uh, the economy slow down. And I just thought it was a really interesting article to talk about tangible ways of things that people were using that money and those resources for, and just what a direct impact it had in the economy with an additional 10 to $12 billion a week that were going to small businesses. I don't know. I thought it was really fascinating. Well, so we have a bike shop in Sioux Falls called Eric's, which I believe you also have. Yes, it's a chain. Um, they're open seven days a week. And my friend Jenny, uh, her boyfriend works there. And it has been so busy, they cannot keep up. Like it has been like bikes and bikes and bikes and bikes and all of this outdoor equipment. And at one point, they closed for one day to give their employees a break. Like they have wow. not had any kind of break uh, at all. And now, well, now it's freezing out, but eventually we'll have fall again, I imagine. Um, they're already starting to buy winter sporting goods because they mm -hmm. also have uh, board, like not only skateboards, but snowboards, skis, and it has just been uh, wild. And our friends, Jeff and Kristen, they wanted to get bikes to go on vacation with and they ended up rooting their trip around i think rochester is where they were able to find that was the closest place they could get to find bicycles for sale that they could access on their way to i don't know michigan michigan or yeah so no it does it does absolutely seem crazy well and that was the thing so i got my stimulus money and immediately spent it yes it does seem like, because I'm a proponent of universal basic income. And mm -hmm. if you're familiar with Andrew Yang, that was one of the things that he really proselytized, talked about a lot during his primary run for president was how the universal basic income or UBI, it would change our entire country because A, it would allow people to, you could be, you could make minimum wage, but you would get this other mm -hmm. money on top of it. But then you could also be an artist and not have to work to coffee shop jobs. Yeah. Or you could, you could um, work for a nonprofit and do what you love and actually fight for justice and goodness without worrying how you're going to pay your mortgage. And so it's not a way that keeps people from working. You're just not going to have an entire nation of people eating Cheetos and watching Netflix while the government just pays us to stay home. Like people want to work and they want to be fulfilled, but not every job is fulfilling. And yeah. this is a way, or not every job is a living wage, even if you have two or three of them. So yes. <sighs> One of the things that I have fantasized about, <laughs> uh, and a lot of it was, <laughs> when I had this bat in my basement and my hot tub was leaking and I had this tech issue and I live by myself and I'm at a point like, and my dad is a couple, you know, hour and a half away. My brother-in-law is an hour and a half in the other direction. And Zach lives in Minneapolis. So there's no one like literally obligated to help me do things <laughs> and I have to do them for myself. But what if I could round up my other single friends and we could put together a commune. I was just talking about this the other day and it's kind of a, a fantasy for a lot of people that are, especially in this like apocalyptic time that we're living in. It does seem simple. Like if we could all live in an area and then we would garden and then I was like, I cannot be in charge of gardening, but I could be in, in charge of sewing. Like I will make us so many. So Apparently. many dresses and pants. Yeah, tunics. We're all wearing <laughs> tunics and leggings like we're in a cult. Um, you're not going to get fancy, fancy things for me. But I, I can definitely sew. 
I can mend, I'm excellent at laundry. And so these are the things that I could contribute. And then somebody else could washing wench. (laughs) Yes. And someone else could be in charge of animals because I don't want to be in charge of um, animals. Yeah. Chickens, gross. Like I don't want anything to do with that. Um, So I do enjoy just kind of the concept of pooling our, so this is communism essentially right we're going to pool our resources <laughs> yes and then uh, we're all going to be responsible for um one tenant of our lives versus we all have to be responsible for everything for our own lives and i just feel like this would this it has merit is all i'm saying well then apparently there's an instagram account called cheap old houses <laughs> and the author oh so this is in mother jones yes. and grace Molteni and her friends have a chat group like just an ongoing thread of how they're going her and her friends are going to join a, create a commune when maybe in Dixiefield, maine well then they've found there's a Nordic version of cheap old houses. And now they're thinking like, why don't we just move abroad? And then there is a, <laughs> there's a beautiful, if it small house in Norway, like right on the water for 137,000 us dollars. That does sound amazing. It looks cold. It looks cold. If you're just it, making us tunics to wear, we need to be somewhere <laughs> a little warmer. You're going to wear long sleeved, shirts under the tunics and then i can sew those shirts but we're gonna buy them from somewhere else first (laughs) okay and so she talks about her friend are they gonna have a bed and breakfast are they gonna have an annual sanctuary maybe like goat yoga and a writer's retreat and they've named it and it does seem like yeah like i said it it has merit it has it seems very appealing that you could pool your resources and come out with more in this way well, and again, be able to socialize with some folks and be a little bit more self-sufficient. Um, this reminds me of, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or if this was a conversation that Michael and, Michael and I had after like a CBS Sunday morning, but they talked a lot about at the beginning stages of the pandemic, how people in rural America and specifically like farmers were just emotionally and mentally better prepared and handling the pandemic, right? And they talked a lot about, you know, they basically live in little communes, especially in like more rural communities where they all kind of rely on each other. They help out with certain chores or help with harvest or, or calving season. And then of course that they are built to be more self-sustaining, right? So they have their own food sources when you couldn't find certain things at the store that they just had more goods on hand and how mentally they were doing better than people that were living in densely populated urban areas. And this article basically is the same thing. Like maybe we all need to go back to living on our, in, in Gary, South Dakota, where we all like have our farmhouses, you know, on the same gravel road as each other. Well, so this article does talk about this because when she, when the, author was young they moved from a city to i don't know wisconsin and it is part of like it was great we were you know our family was together uh it was idyllic we lived in a 150 year old farmhouse that was constantly full of projects which i thought you would relate to as did i hours of trips to menards yeah (laughs) right and scraping wallpaper which i feel like was half of my childhood um, but they had a garden, they had an apple orchard, but all she wanted to do was escape because your neighbor, your nearest neighbor is over a mile away yeah. and sure they had a home, but they had no one to share it with. And so this concept was kind of a way to have both. And she talks about, um, there was a Reddit post where a single woman in her forties bought a home next to her two best single friends. And the those women knocked down the fences and kind of turned it into a shared courtyard with a communal garden Mm. and she was like this is kind of a way to have the best of all possible worlds so you pool your resources but you also live in a city but you also have your shit because that's what i don't actually want to live with other people yeah 
no me neither so that's where this this um like we've talked to kate and i our our friend kate and our friend phil we've talked about maybe kate and i get tiny houses out on phil's land okay because we don't want to live together yes but we want to be close um and like you said then essentially you'd be quarantining together and you'd have someone available not that i think kate or phil would have been particularly helpful with dead things or home repair uh, but you know we'll find somebody else to hold up that part of that that's great lifestyle mm-hmm. do you have any parting thoughts i have several um my nieces started preschool last week so so adorable apparently they were brave little toasters and there were not tears and they did a very good job did sarah cry i sarah did not say specifically whether she cried or not but i'm sure sarah was also very brave (laughs) and they said that they liked it and they will go back on tuesday so (laughs) they're like we like it we will go back good job girls and then i just had a really great night on thursday and i don't remember if i told you about it i think i did but i went and got butter chicken takeout yes which is my favorite I got some wine from Prairie Berry, which was a dry white blend. They call it Luca. That was an amazing pairing. And then because of so many events going virtual, I was able to attend this essentially like a book club or an author talk that's normally only held in person in New York City. I got to attend because they put it online and it was this book called I Am Not Myself These Days by Josh Kilmer Purcell that I read easily 10 years ago or more. And he was there and there was like 20 people. It was so, cause they try and keep it really small because they normally have to fit inside like an apartment. And <laughs> I just got to be a part of this group. And there was another woman from Omaha, Nebraska, who was having the same like, oh my God, we get to participate. This is so exciting. Like (laughs) vibes. And I might've said like two comments and I just was so happy to be there. So I got to drink my wine and listen to an author. And I, I had a really exceptional Thursday night. Well, that's cute. I, I have a problem in my parting thought. Ooh. Like, are you asking me or are you asking our pointers to help you? You. This specifically is you. Okay. So there is a ghost in my backyard. Fascinating. And so yesterday morning, Michael sends me, so we have like a ring camera that's like up on the garage. That's not like, not like a doorbell, but like one of their security cameras that aims from the garage towards the house up the sidewalk. And it's obviously motion censored, right? And so there is a story that there is a guy, like, it's not a story. It's a real life. Like three houses down, somebody hung themselves in their garage. And so then the thing is like, there's a ghost, right? Well, okay. So Michael sent me this video. He got a notification when he was at work at six o'clock in the morning that there was movement in our backyard, right? So he pulls up the video. There's nobody in our backyard, but there is a white light that's like oblong. And it like sweeps, it like starts from the, it like comes out of the garage, sweeps out in the garage, goes across our yard, then like goes back across into the thing and just like hangs out for like two minutes. And then it goes, that light goes back into the garage and fuck this shit. (laughs) It, It is haunted. And I think I need your help in trying to like, I need to smudge the garage. I mean, I, I, we can. I don't know how successful our smudging was several years ago, but. I mean, I, it's like there I, was I nothing on it. there. And that light. And so like we had a neighbor that was like, well, maybe there's a cobweb in front of the camera, right? So we investigated. No cobwebs. No cobwebs anywhere. And like it's set up in like the least amount of sensitivity to motion. And so like if a little squirrel or something ran around, like it wouldn't trigger the camera. But it magically triggered uh, the uh, Thursday morning, and it's just a white orb light that, like, moves across the backyard and comes out of the garage and then goes back towards the garage. What the hell is going on? Well, first of all, I'm going to need to see that video. Second of all, aren't – I mean, a haunted backyard is maybe the best-case scenario versus – I did did say that. I said (laughs) – 
versus haunting your home. Well, at least, at least it's not coming towards the house. I mean, I know you spend time in the garage doing projects and... Well, I'm not going to do it at night anymore. There's going to be no... Maybe it wasn't Michael moving all of your tools and things. Maybe it was the ghost. I know. I just sent it to you. Do you have your phone on you? I do. Do you want me to watch it while we're having this discussion? Yes. We'll edit it down for time if that if there's a problem. But hit the little play button and you'll see like a white light appear and listen to the creepiness of it. I hear the creepy noise. Okay, just wait. Do you see the light? I do not see the light. You still don't see the light? What? How many seconds are you at? Oh, zero? I push play, but it's not playing? Oh, there it is. <gasps> <gasps> yeah. The fuck is that? Yeah, Carmen. Yeah, that's terrifying as it moves around. It totally moves. It's smaller than I thought. But yes, but that's like the only thing that would trigger the motion. There's no, there's nothing else anywhere else. And again, this is not incredibly, it's not set to, it's only supposed to identify people. So moral of the story, I can't go outside anymore. I mean, at least it doesn't look like a person. Yes, that would have made it way worse. I can't even imagine what I would have done if it's actually a person. Yeah, that was that's not awesome. That's not great. <laughs> and six a.m. is like that's when you think they, like go the to bed. Ghost should be in bed. Yeah, it's, go to go to sleep. It's that's morning time. That's not yeah. ghost time. Yeah. So maybe we should ask our pointers to name our ghost. Maybe that's a new thing that we should ask. Ooh. He probably needs a name. Well, what was the name of the guy? I have no idea. Oh, all right. I have no idea. So, all right. Well, there's my there's my parting thought. I love how you hold you hold things back. Uh, I forgot about it. Oh, all right. Otherwise, I would have talked about it at the beginning. Well, that was good. That was a good parting thought. All right. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you for listening to Our Point. To stay up to date and for links of the articles that we discussed in this podcast, join us on Facebook and Twitter at Our Point Podcast. If you have articles that you would like us to discuss, feel free to tag us on Facebook or Twitter, or you can also email us at ourpointpodcast at gmail.com.